today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, verses 31 to 40. And it can be found on page 807 in the Pew Bible. I just went a little side comment. I learned my lesson from the first time. <laughs> this is called the judgment of nations. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and will and, uh, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd's servant separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left hand. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and he visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when, and when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick and in prison? And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did to one of my least of these, who are my members, of my family did the same to me. Thank you, Craig. So a little kind of framing of this. And also in the bulletin, we're going to sing, the choir's going to sing a verse, and then we're going to sing a verse before we sing after uh, the sermon. So those first two times the verse is sung, we'll sit down, and then after my sermon, we'll stand up. Um, So this is my second favorite passage from the Bible. Um, And I love it for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I really have grown to love it over the years is, one, its specificity. It kind of is very specific about what we can do as people of faith. Um, But the other thing I really love about it is, if you read the Gospel of Matthew as a whole, this story comes just before Jesus goes down into Jerusalem for the last week of his life. It's literally the last thing that he says and teaches. And so for me, as a person of faith, I kind of look at it as Jesus' last lecture. You know what I mean? It's almost like he wanted to kind of put an exclamation point, I think, on his life and to tell us what he asked us to do after he left this world. So this week, as I was thinking about the sermon, I wanted to... um, See if I could get maybe a member of the congregation to reflect upon what faith in action means in their life, either personally or globally or locally um, or just for them. And so I've been blessed and we've been blessed to have Addie Mae Weiss as a member of our church. She's very active here. She's also active in town around issues of affordable housing. Um, And she's a good soul. And so Addie Mae um, actually said yes when I asked her to speak. And so I would invite Addie Mae to come forward at this time to do some reflecting for us. All right, I get the big boy side. Okay. (laughs) 
Um, so I'm Addie Mae Weiss, and I live in town and have really enjoyed this church community. And um, like often happens when someone asks you to reflect on something, you kind of one thought leads to another and another. And so I'm going to hopefully make a point, but um, without being on a tangent. And so when I guess kind of what thinking about doing good or in kind of our own lives um, recently my family had the privilege to travel to Tanzania, Africa for safari, which is luxury and has nothing to do with really helping people other than traveling to another community and somehow getting the stories from the staff. But ahead of our trip, I downloaded on my Kindle a bunch of books on Africa to try and kind of understand the different countries and what we were going into. And one of the books that I had downloaded was called The Shadow of the Sun, and it was by a Polish journalist, Ryszard um, Kapuscinski. Which, um, and I'd never heard of him. I just was looking at a list of recommended books. And I, on the trip, I didn't have time to read these books. We were with a group of 10, my in-laws, and you're just so busy. And so now I'm reading them. And the other night, I'm reading this book, and it, he was a journalist, and he was Polish. And he was there during the end of the colonial rule in traveling to all these, as he was supposed to cover 50 countries for, um, he was Afri- for Africa, for Poland, and he's there at the end of the colonial rule, and there's just wars and skirmishes all over, and so I'm reading, and he's giving backstory and backstory, and then it goes through history, and you get to Rwanda, and he starts describing what started this war, and all of a sudden this year, 1994, jumps out at me. Um, the slaughter from April to June of, ni- of about 800,000 people in 1994. And I, I'm sitting there and going, oh, 1994. I haven't been, I wasn't aware of this or I wasn't paying attention and I felt this guilt because I was at that time about to graduate, a senior in high school, excited that I was going from Atlanta, Georgia to Burlington, Vermont and all these new adventures and everything was so, I was, had a really happy time in my life and all the senior class had come together and we were all best friends. We had been to school since elementary together and maybe had not been all friends but now something about that senior year brings everyone together. And all of a sudden, and I I've kind of felt guilty like at that time in my life this horrible massacre was happening and what was I doing? Or, and I then thought, well, I wouldn't have understood what that, that context didn't mean anything to me. And that's where our lives, we do good. Jesus wanted, was a teacher. And I think it's okay as long as we keep going through life and try to learn things. So we learn by taking what's in our lives. And then we say, okay, so now that there's other crises happening in the world, what can I do and what can I bring to it? And that happened, and maybe it helps us understand the next crisis. And it's okay that we can't fix everything, but sometimes we do small things. And I guess on a small level, and also the fact that in 1994 I was happy and that there were places in the world that were happy, those are those olive branches of hope. That if, everything, if we all just despair because things are so bad and we don't remember to enjoy what we have this day, just because we feel guilty because someone else is having a bad day, that doesn't do, that's not what Jesus and God would intend either. We have to embrace what is good. And those, if someone's seeing someone else having a good day, that's 
that kind of hope that we keep going through with each day. But as far as doing good and more tangible and doing good as a family, recently my daughter now, the bus used to come at the end of our driveway, but now it comes to the corner of our neighborhood and she has to walk up there. And so then she's meeting with a couple kids and when it was hot I thought, oh, we need a bench here. And it is our corner. So a week ago, my kids and I, we put together this bench and we painted it and it's got drips and paint didn't get a chance to really dry before we assembled it, so there's fingerprints and things ran, but it's up there, it's assembled. And then it's kind of, every morning, it's so wet from the condensation, nobody sits on it. I thought, oh, we made this bench and nobody uses it. But then the other day, I pulled out of my driveway and two of my neighbors that do daily walks, they were sitting on the corner and I, we were pulling off to race off to soccer and I leaned out the window and I said, oh, I'm so glad someone's sitting on the bench. And, Ray said, oh, yeah, and, and Jane was just sitting here before. And it's like you don't know where something you do um, benefits someone. It wasn't what I was thinking of when we built the bench. And Alexis had so much fun pre-drilling and then drilling those screws in and assembling it. And she felt so, it was, you know, kindness in that it benefited us. But it, you just don't know where things trickle out. So I guess do your best. And everyone just has to be your best self and learn from all your experiences. And uh, we are a gift to have these days here together. So thank you. Thank you, Addie Mae. You're going to have to come over and use that bench. And two comments just on what you said. One of my favorite sayings is, think globally and act locally. We can always do something. And then the other thing that I've learned after many years in ministry is the absolute worst way to motivate people is guilt. Okay, To motivate ourselves. Well, sometimes it works, but not for a long time. Right, Karen? Um, that, that as we do good and seek to do good, I would hope that we would do it out of joy and not out of guilt. So let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. Oh, God, we thank you for the gift of this day, for the changing seasons, for the ways that we experience you in creation. And then we ask you, God, to be so grateful to creation that we would seek to take care of it and protect it locally and globally. And God, we thank you for the gift of our families, and then we ask you to inspire us to work that other families might be together and stay together. And so, God, we thank you this day for the gift of welcome we've experienced in this church, and we ask you to Move us to always make sure that we have a wide open front door for all your children to come through 
and that we work for welcome in this world as well. And so open us up this day, God, that we might hear your word and wisdom in the sermons, in the songs, and in the prayers. Amen. And so from that text again, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the Lord said, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. To talk the talk and to walk the walk, to actually do God's good. Two stories, one silly, one serious. First, a silly one. When I was a boy growing up in the Catholic Church, there was one thing I craved more on Sunday mornings than just about anything else, right after church. Delectable and delicious chocolate donuts from our local bakery, Donut Dip. But so did so many others coming out of church, too. All of those families, all those sweet-seeking kids. So in my memory, I remember that after the benediction, there was always a rush to get into the cars because sometimes the chocolate donuts ran out. And so the mad dash would begin and cars would cram into the narrow exit and folks would actually honk their horns all to get to wherever they need to get to or to get a donut. In my little boy mind, I saw a contradiction for the first time in my budding Christian faith. How could we, who just seconds before had been talking about doing the good and singing about the good and praying to the ultimate teacher of that good Jesus, why were we so nice inside the sanctuary, but then so rude in the parking lot? Did our good somehow melt away as soon as we crossed over the barrier between the sacred space of church into the secular space of the world? To talk the talk about doing the good, yes, but also to walk the walk, to actually do God's good. Now the serious story. One of Mahatma Gandhi's most famous quotes is said to be, I'd be a Christian if it weren't for all the Christians. But in researching, I discovered his real quote was this. In response, to, in response to a question from the Christian missionary E. Stanley Jones, who asked the Hindu Gandhi, this teacher of nonviolence, this disciple of love, why he rejected becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And Gandhi, who had actually read and studied all four Gospels, who was fascinated by Christianity, Gandhi, who once actually tried to attend a Sunday church morning service but was turned away at the door because he was not of the right skin color or social caste in India, Gandhi answered Jones by saying this, Oh, I don't reject Christ. I love Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike Christ. If Christians would really live according to the teachings of Jesus Christ as found in the Bible, well, all of India would be Christian today. To talk the talk about doing the good, yes, but also to walk the walk, to actually do God's good. 
Friends, in the past two weeks, we've talked about seeing the good in the world and being the good in the world. And so this day, we conclude our study of the good by thinking about the last step in a way in this work and our work as Christians to do the good in the world, to actually try and live by the teachings of Jesus Christ, as Gandhi said, to not merely believe as in believing in God or Jesus, believing in God's good, but then to go beyond belief to behavior, beyond belief to behavior, which might seem obvious, and yet if you were to ask folks in the culture who are not church-going for whatever reason, who maybe went to church as kids or teens but then never went back, who these days, with all of the scandals roiling the institutional church, the abuse of children, the cover-ups, the insistence by some Christians that God actually takes sides in politics, the even unchristian acts of some Christians, the Christians who reject the essential goodness of folks of a different sexual orientation or folks of a different faith or folks of a different skin color. In light of this, my experience is is that if you asked a man or woman on the street what they thought of the church and Christians, some would say, well, they they are hypocrites. They're hypocrites. Which, of course, I need to say is not fully true. I think most practicing Christians, the ones who don't make the news, right? I think we actually try and practice our faith. But since we are only human after all, since the standard of behavior Jesus sets is so high, since we all sin and we all fall short, sometimes we get there and sometimes we don't. But then we try again and try again to do God's good. Friends, that's why I'm a Christian, Not because I get to worship in this historic and beautiful building, though I do so love being in this sacred space. Not because of the gorgeous hymns and music, though I do so love lifting my voice to God. Not because I get to be a part of a 2,000-year-old tradition, though I do so love the old, old story. To me, all of those things only matter if they inspire us as Christians to do God's good. Do you hear that? to do God's good in our families, in our communities, in our lives, as citizens and neighbors and workers and friends. That for everything we are as a church, if this does not then move us to try and live like Jesus did, that's when we get into trouble. That's when if we love the church more than we love God and God's good, The risk is that we are no longer practicing Christianity, but instead, as one of my colleagues said, we risk practicing what he calls churchianity. Churchianity. I mean, what I love about Jesus' life and teachings is that he is about action, always. Action. Real-world ways of behaving and living and working and doing and being and loving. Church is like the school of love. We study love on Sundays, and then we try and live out that love the rest of the week. Love, love given flesh and bone, love feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and welcoming the stranger and visiting the prisoner. Church as a verb and not just a noun. And the quality of that love? The other thing that draws me to Jesus and his teachings is that he was and is always for the underdog. The underdog, the least of these, the folks in this world with little or no power, the folks on the margins, the folks who are invisible to the rest of the world, 
the folks with no voice, the folks who suffer through grief or sadness or neglect or sickness or poverty, the folks who are the most innocent of all, the very young and the very old, the folks who might be turned away at the church door or at the border or at the entrance to the halls of power. Jesus loves all of us. I do not doubt that, but Jesus has a special place in his heart for the downtrodden. And so should we, I believe, as Christians, as Matthew 25 Christians, as folks that I love to be with. I love to be with all of you because all of us together, we can try to just not talk the talk, but also to walk the walk, to do God's good, to do the good, to see the good, to be the good. Let all God's people in belief and in behavior say, Amen.